Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We've got an NI boys here today. We've got Jack Butcher, NFT champion, back at it again. Trunk fan, me, Master Flex himself, and Bilal Zaidi. Boys, it's been a crazy... This is going to be a banger episode. I can feel it already. We've got the checks Energy. chaos going on. It's number one on OpenSea. We've got people creating checks from my boy Jack Butcher's work. We've got some crazy stuff to talk about there. We're going to be talking about the Tiffany and Nike collab. That Man, is a... if the listeners could just see my face right now when you said <laughs> Jack people... <laughs> That got, got me hard, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Following on from a few weeks ago, exactly. And then we're going to introduce introduce you guys to Chad GPT and talk a little uh, AI chat. We're going to be talking about the new announcement from Google announcing Bard AI. Uh, is and Google some AI bad porn. at naming products? Bard Man, that's is a terrible an name. Yeah, I'm not. Name. A, I'm not a fan of the name, to be honest. Name. But Crazy. God, awful name. I want to know the story, like who the hell named like the what hardest was the one syllable word I've ever heard. Bard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so boys, let's just get straight into it. Jack, there's only one place to start. I think we're gonna have to do a meme in a week. Yeah, let's just to... let's get some visuals. I mean, if you're listening and you haven't seen Beeple, Beeple, <laughs> like the NFT artist extraordinaire did a riff on one of jackson can you can we pull the first well, of the we'll meme pull up? up and say but yeah. i'm gonna pull up the meme first because this is nft update said i'm telling my children this is tom brady and it's a picture of our very own jack butcher <laughs> there was another person who did one saying i'm gonna tell my children this was jesus so mate what is going on because you have been absolutely tearing it up since the last time we spoke um Which i've got a, a few things ago. on my list here people obviously we're going to show that in a second Budweiser, that was right in the beginning of the week. That was oh kind of a funny goodness, little dude. thing as well. I'm pulling that up right now. Budweiser tweeted something about checks um, as well. Uh, you've raised crazy amounts of money. You've helped raise a crazy amounts of money for the earthquake that happened. Um, but yeah, so mate, what's, we'll throw it over to you. Like what has happened since the last time we saw you? You said you've had your parents in town as well. You're probably on like three hours sleep, just churning it all out. What's going on in what, your side? What are man? the dopamine levels at? What are the dopamine <laughs> levels at? That's Be crazy. honest. I mean, honestly, it's nuts. The, um, yeah, just next level, next level amount of activity around this thing in the last maybe three or four days is like really went crazy. The Beeple thing. Uh, so he did one last week. Do you see the checkmark one? It was like yeah, the, can we the pull that up? Yeah, I saw the... two. I'll pull them up while we're talking. Go on. So the initial one was people standing in the row. How big is your checkmark? It was a, it was a cool uh, little riff Does on Does he it. have and one? I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. I have to look it up. Um, and then I think we've talked about this guy before, but there's a there's a NFT collector, artist, patron of the NFT community called Vincent Van Doe incredible name by the way yeah. insane name yeah incredible I've seen his stuff name. before and he uh, I'm assuming it's a he based on the conversation I had with him had uh, <laughs> on had the bats yeah had a, uh, a did a version of checks he called it Pepe checks he changed the the all the checks in the grid to Pepe the frog's face and uh sold one and a half million dollars of open editions in Jeez. 24 hours wow i think they were six bucks each or something like that so and it was that, six bucks too that's crazy 
So that was a lot of energy. How, someone oh, do the math for me. It's like 240,000 something. Jesus NFTs. Christ, that is wild. For the people wondering if Trung or Bilal got in early on that, no, <laughs> yeah, we did not get in early that? on any of this. I or still don't own a check yeah. and I no, can no longer afford one. So let's get that out of the way. All right. So hey, By uh, the way, while you're doing it, I'm just pulling up the people one that you are you're yeah. mentioning. So this is on his Instagram. It's obviously on Twitter as well. You're talking about this one, yeah, Jack? That's the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How big is your check mark? And then the, the other right. one, I could not. This one is dude, incredible. I, oh, I, I could if, not believe I when I saw this well. one. I one absolutely mind blowing. Dawn of man. check. Here we go. Dude, we're gonna. Incredible. You might have to do the bottom right there, man. Take care of that uh, blackout, that uh, DM thing you had there. Yeah, that's fine. Um, well, anyway. we'll, well, the reason I brought it up is the reason why we're talking <laughs> about the AI porn guy later. The Twitch streamers, he was live streaming his desktop, and oh, some sketchy shit get, was on there. Get caught slipping. But anyway, yeah. Jack, could you just yeah give us a little riff on this? Um, first of all, I mean, was I right in saying that's visualized value in the corner, right? Yeah, yeah, a little. Oh my little goodness, inscription. man! Beautiful. Man, Beautiful. it's just epic, man. I just, I mean, I love this thing for a number of reasons, but obviously, it's completely surreal to be. Uh, Jack, did, did he just post it and tag you and you realize, or did he met, like, what, what, like, what, you just tagged it and you're like, yeah, how something like this happened? The first one wasn't tagged. The second one was. So the first one, I mean, he, people's work is always kind of, he's just got his ear to whatever's going on. And normally I think, or I wouldn't say normally there was he like he had a lot of political commentary for a phase of his career especially Trump era politics and like Elon's Twitter takeover all of that stuff so this like fed in I think to the a lot of the things that his work has been a commentary on for the last few years um. and specifically like the communities within the NFT world because obviously he is still holding that uh that title of the the uh single highest price piece of um nft ever auctioned so he's like obviously a huge character in that community and commentary on that has become part of his uh the art that he puts out so um yeah a response to how much that took over the zeitgeist for 24 hours 48 hours whatever it was and still seeing stuff like bubble out of that like I guess I could show you my notifications and just Dude, hit the, it. the, um, like the tagged, uh, well, for the listeners also, uh, Jack has been sending us some of the unsolicited DMS he's been getting, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which are absolutely madness. <laughs> it, just imagine like the worst, like Nigerian prince, like scam DM you've ever gotten. And like, he's been get, Oh my goodness. So this is just nonstop. Uh, yeah, this one's so badass. Look at this. Like, just sick. All the... All so the, wait, Jack, um, this is just random people creating stuff and tagging you in it, or what, what is it? Yeah, this is just the, the tags of... Like, oh, that Eagles one is quite cool. Yeah, there's just endless amounts of... Um, Yo, that CryptoPunk one. This so is 25 minutes one? ago. Still, like, you're still... You've been scrolling for yeah. ages, and it's only <laughs> tweets from 25 minutes ago. That's crazy. Wait, Jack, who made the uh, the the crypto punk looking uh, NFT? Me. Yeah, so and Jack, do you want to give a little You sold that as an uh, yeah, you sold that as a one of one? Cuz I think for, we've talked about it on the pod a few times, but let's just give a quick recap because for yeah. someone who's listening for the first time they don't really know what and is just checks? maybe explain yeah, checks and also you've been swapping out the art and the idea of like what that 
yeah, all the kind mm -hmm. of uh, ideas of what you're you're doing there. So the the way in which the original NFT was sold, it's an addition, which is essentially a uh, a token that points to the same image, right? So the art for every piece is exactly the same. And as a function of how that was minted, I have the ability to update the image that that points to. So, you know, it's like sacrilegious in, in NFT <laughs> land because you're yeah. supposed to be, I, I think it's like challenging the conception of what an NFT is. Like, is this an image that I bought or is this a relationship with an artist that I am, mm. uh, you know, it, it makes it more of a performance than a piece, right? You have all yeah. of this incredible opportunity to tell a story, to um, challenge people's conceptions around this thing. So it started as one image, changed to another image, changed to another image. The underlying format is the same, like the, the 80 the check mark grid. Yeah. But what that does is it allows you to keep the, the, the underlying structure of the meme and comment on other things that are happening, which is what's happening as a conversation with all the people on Twitter too. The format has become this thing that people can um, people can add to, people can remix, people can make their own interpretation of. And somebody, I know we love a uh, a Virgil quote on this pod, and we've done a few episodes on Virgil. Somebody dropped this great quote which by the way, I'm not claiming to have been the architect from the top of this. This happens to be a, uh, this happens to be a characteristic of this thing. It says the end user should have space to input something into a design or artwork. That's a Virgil quote. So this idea of making something that is owned by everybody or everybody feels like they have uh, a piece of it, whether or not they in inverted commas, own it or not, it's a conversation between a bunch of people and it's simple enough that it allows all this remixing to happen. And um, yeah, you have this token that represents the, the art in its entirety and all of this like community activity surrounding it. So man, it's been uh, incredible to watch. And the, the, I think that maybe the best outcome of it is people just getting into this world for the first time and removing the pressure and the, the amount of overthinking that people do in this, in like, am I an artist? Being an artist is like this thing that people think they like have to one day wake up, declare themselves an artist. And then like, if a piece of work doesn't sell, they're not an artist. I don't think that's true. It's uh, the way in which this, accessible price point has changed the entire environment i think is very positive overall where Wait, Jack, i think we should dig into this so uh explain the mint uh mechanics how many were sold on that first day and what date it was Let, let's make this a bit of a historical artifact so uh, it was 16,000 plus i think the first one right Sixteen thousand and thirty-one pieces sold for eight dollars a piece and each uh, piece was this grid of uh checks yes yes and uh that like that has been going on. I didn't I didn't come up with this idea of an open edition mint by any means. Uh, that's kind of until recently that mechanic has basically been you know something that an artist can do as a lower price point access thing for a bunch of people who perhaps can't afford to bid on a one of one piece of art, right? And I think in the last couple of years, the figures that are recognized as the most prominent 
artists in the space are judged by how much a single piece of work sold for especially artists right because a lot of these these like profile picture projects the people the people who are the face of them or the people who represent them they didn't make the work they're like they're good operators or good marketers they like assembled a team of people in some cases anonymously to make the art and what this does i feel like is and what i'm trying to demonstrate with the the ability to change the art is you almost have this networked billboard as a function of all of these people collecting your work and that is a much better place to start for somebody who's trying to get a story off the ground put their art out into the world than pricing a piece of work at 20 grand 30 grand even uh, you know a thousand dollars like the number of people that can afford that work like who honestly i would be interested to see the statistics on that like number of people who have ever spent more than a thousand dollars on a piece of art is probably in the fractions of a fraction of percent. You're including NFTs in that though, right? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you no. saying traditional art? <laughs> yeah. I'm saying oh art. I'm saying, I'm saying as a I decision. I got 10 of those in 2021. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. I'm saying as a decision to like collect a piece of art, which I think in a lot of cases, this uh, new environment has uh, shifted the context on where two years ago these two things were totally separate collectibles and art they felt like they fell into totally different camps completely different cultures they feel like there's a merge of those two things happening right now i'll just yeah smashing it yeah i think i think we lost the trunk for a minute we can just keep going until you come back but um so yeah that that's amazing background now i'm just going to share my screen as well for the the charity stuff you did as well because i think this is pretty cool so using the same canvas, can you see that, yeah? Mm-hmm. And so this is something you did. Um, this is for the relief in Turkey and Syria with the earthquake that just happened. So could you just t tell us a little bit about this? Because you did this and you did one other one a few days before that as well for meals, I think. Yeah, so the meals one was actually from earlier last year. It was in September last year. I put it up or November last year. Around oh, I didn't realize that, actually. Right. It's like as a, you know, realization that there's a lot of hungry people while well, a lot of people are just gluttonously stuffing their faces. So yeah, it felt yeah. right. Um, the, yeah, but this, this second one on the earthquake is like, there's all this attention in this format. So why can't we leverage some of that attention to, you know, redirect it into something that has immediate real world impact like getting doctors to people who need medical attention so yeah it's taking the same checks grid meme whatever you want to call it and signaling this idea first aid that you know that iconic first aid symbol and i think there's like that's just one way to use this and again like uh looking back retrospectively at this this um this thing coming to existence it's just created a lot of angles for using all of the attention that it that it creates in the macro and directing it really specifically at micro things and you know the the 15 minute spotlight or the amount of attention that i know how fast this stuff comes and goes and this time I definitely want to do as much as I can to, you know, get 
make the second order effects of that attention much more um, lasting and, you know, not just be about people who clearly have the time and resources to sit at home talking about and trading and buying and selling art. That's, uh, yeah, that, that, so that's hopefully, hopefully much more of that to come, but, you know, you never know how long the, uh, how long the attention storm is hovering over Yeah, you. yeah. That's crazy, yeah. So, and then the other thing is, so how much has been raised from it? It's 97K, you said? Should be around that, yeah. Almost 100 grand, and this is in a few days, right? So, pretty incredible. And I know we did a whole episode back in the day about, um, like, reinventing charity and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, or, like, yeah. what crypto you can do. philanthropy. Yeah, crypto philanthropy, which is quite a cool episode if you if you never listened to it. Yeah, like, the, to, we did a whole episode on this in the past, but... Just to contextualize that for people, 97K in a few days for charity is like a lot of money. Like, it's really difficult to do that. Like, if you do a big brand collaboration, let's say with Nike and Tiffany, which we're gonna talk about in a minute, or, you know, like a bunch of big companies that have billions in dollars in revenue, like a lot of them would do that in a whole year, you know, that amount of money. And they're like big companies with resources. So, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Just like, like you said, the meme of it, the attention on it, that you can divert it and say, hey, we're gonna remix this right now. And this is a quick, easy way for people to give to it, which is really cool. So, um, Trunk, did you have any other questions on uh, the check stuff? Yeah, I uh, wanted to ask about the $8, uh, because Jack was talking about the accessibility of the project. Obviously, 16,000 uh, mints, uh, but I think it was less, it was like four or 5,000 people total. Uh, but the accessibility was huge, right? Anybody could got $8. Um, but a big function with that of, of that, was obviously that the Twitter blue cost $8, right? Was it just like a pure coincidence? Like if Twitter blue, that whole meme hadn't existed. Yeah, that would you was the commentary, I guess, right? Yeah, Jack, would you have still it. tried to price it? Would you still try to price it under like call it single digits? Or well, would you have even the, done the, the project? price is part of the idea, yeah. It's just like, it's all kind of interwoven. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of different influences on it, but yeah, that is integral for sure. Like one of the big parts of the commentary is the transition to a world where you can purchase status in inverted commas for eight dollars and obviously there's there's visual um how that ties into the visual layer is this can mirror famous works of art but it's obviously a parody of that because you're using this symbol that represents authentication that is you know at the same time being called into question what authenticity is and how you get it and who bestows it and all of these different ideas that layer on top of that and who is this idea who is notable and who isn't the the caption for the original piece and the collection right now is this artwork may or may not be notable and i think overall that speaks to and tries to call into question who decides what is notable like the the legacy popover, which Trung, I think you got rid of now, but the, you know, if you were the, the, the web two journalist, let's call it, the transition that was made with Twitter blue changed your hover state on your blue check to this may or may not be notable. We know there was some like fuckery going around with people paying for like two fortune syndicated articles and then getting their blue check mark that way. <laughs> and uh, not just like, there's obviously so much depth and nuance to this discussion and no I, i'm not i'm not necessarily even taking a stance i'm just asking people to consider so the eight dollar i mean the whole point being the answer to me sounds like this 
if there wasn't the eight dollar Twitter Blue, all of it. I mean, the the project is based on the premise of this thing existing, like the idea of Twitter Blue, notable or not notable. If that whole blow up hadn't happened in November around Elon takeover, removing of legacy, like this project wouldn't exist in the same in this form. No, 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 yeah, no. I because think that, that's the whole point, right? It's a commentary on it. Yeah, I think of this as like um, basically drilling for oil. This idea of if you can create something that taps into consciousness in a way that explodes this this level of attention that to me is how this feels like great pieces of media are able to capture a feeling or a moment in time or something that people are responding to and just bottle it up and the and the more succinctly you can do that the faster that travels and that's why i think this thing has exploded a creative renaissance of sorts is because that symbol has so much embedded context and flipping it on its head and saying, no, you can use it. Like nobody owns that symbol. It's just, it's like you go to the Wikipedia page for verification. It says this cannot be copyrighted because it's like the simp, like it's made up of shapes. You, you know, you can't copyright a shape. So this idea that all of this shit was a meme in the first place that came from decisions made by a handful of social media companies versus all the people that create value on a platform being quote unquote notable. And Elon's a master of memes too, right? Tapped into that idea of the blue check mark being this desirable thing and whether or not it even plays out as the long-term thing, you Twitter blue could eventually be Twitter blue and you just drop the check mark, remove the icon, right? Yeah. It doesn't it like or just change the icon to something else like the the I guess the argument or the conversation is like how much like what does that represent now it's not this thing that requires closed door approval for somebody to get it well and I think I, that aligns I, I, sorry to interrupt I think that no, aligns with all of the principles we're talking about in decentralizing anything it's like the the cryptographic signature is the thing that proves this is me, not what someone in the bin at Twitter approving <laughs> accounts or YouTube decides, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that to yeah. me is is conceptually what made it blow up is the give the power back and give the ability to verify uh, work, commentary, people, pixels to anybody. I got Smashing I got a comment it, and two questions. So my comment is so I did get a blue check mark uh through HubSpot because I tried many times on my own, right? Like kind of the <laughs> jokes that uh Jack was alluding to. Like I was on CNBC, I, I had a Bloomberg mention. I'm like, guys, please verify I me. At the rules, <laughs> I should be verified every time, just rejected by like a computer, right? And then one literally one day, I just woke up. Half the hustle team just got verified because <laughs> we uh, somebody on the social team knew somebody in Twitter. Yeah. It made no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie. The you dopamine loved you was loved it. out yeah, of yeah, control yeah, yeah. that day. <laughs> yeah. How was, did you feel, Trung, when anyone could go like, and buy it for eight dollars? that meme on. with a guy looking down the nose? You know, <laughs> yeah. on the, yeah. Yeah. I just, you got to make uh, a checks version of yeah. Trung's original profile with the old I'm verification like, tick. Someone has to do that. You MFs. I, 
I told y'all not to sleep on me. I told y'all not to sleep on Trunk. And like, it had nothing to do with it, right? And, and um, Trunk, like, that was the perfect, the perfect follow-up because that's the feeling that yeah. we're coasting off of, right? Regardless of how legit this I, thing is, I everybody zero, loves it. I, my legit path towards it, like the ones by the letter of their law, got rejected. One day, woke up. Some dude knows no, somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is how I found out. Twitter Verify started following me. I'm like, oh, what's up with this? And what is this? And no, dude, it was so irrational. Like you said, yeah, it was ridiculous. So uh, I thought I could add that in context. Uh, but yeah, but your perfect. boy Trung is paying for Twitter Blue. News came out yesterday <laughs> that only 180,000 people are paying for Twitter Blue. Uh, yeah. It's like on a $25 million a year runway. Our boy Tanay uh, that we reference every now and then, he said that he estimated that uh, in terms of the advertising money that was lost from the Twitter Blue fiasco, when mm. uh, people were buying Twitter Blue and like pretending to be different brands, like uh, the defense contractor or the pharmaceutical or company, George Bush. Yeah, they were like, that, that was, was like good. a lost eighty million dollars, and the people were like dunking on Elon's, like, oh, you feel the okay? Listen, the problem with Twitter Blue is they really haven't added anything, right? There's a lot of cases to be made for subscription products, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Jack's mentioned it. Uh, uh, I don't know, Blau, you're on Twitter Blue, but. We've said this is like, I've gained so much from Twitter. Jack has gained so much from Twitter. It's like, I'm happy to give Twitter money. Like the people complaining about Twitter, they're on there, like getting into these flame words every day. Maybe they're just not using it right. It's like Twitter is, a, as we know, is an extremely powerful platform. If you're like a, even if you're not an honest operator, unfortunately, but like, if you really are there just being a authentic, like just having a good time, you can get a ton of benefit from it. I'm happy to give him money. I've given money to way shittier things. Right. And, uh, and gotten zero value out of them. Um, but I'll, I'll add that. Yes. 25 million years, not a great run rate. <laughs> yeah, cause, and just to read what Tane said, he said, um, my guess is Twitter lost more than three times that in ad revenue because of brand impersonation yeah. concerns during the initial rollout of the verification badge. And the Twitter Blue is at 25 million ARR estimate. Or, I think yeah. Twitter Blue will end up being a decent, like a good number. Uh, I guess uh, maybe, based on uh, what as well? Sorry. Uh, internal estimates from the information. I think they got their hands on some. Uh, uh, you're saying uh, like what the sources, Jack, you're saying? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Information. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just haven't read it. 290,000 global subs. So I guess they just times up by eight times 12. And, so, and that obviously doesn't take into account churn and people not being there exactly. for the whole year or whatever. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I think uh, we've talked about this before. I wouldn't judge this move particularly. I mean, listen, it's easy to dunk three months in. And, and in a way, he is inviting a lot of it because of how how vocal he's been about these things. But yeah, let, let's revisit this. Uh, it's obviously not a great number. And I, I suspect that in the end, Twitter's just going to have to have a way better ad product. Like Bilal's talked about it before. They just are not, just from ad tech, they're just not good, right? It's but it's just getting like, better, isn't it, Bilal? Like, I'm, uh, I'm getting... Uh, maybe. I'm getting, I'm Celia's buying stuff on there. I'm telling you, really, that's crazy. Yeah. It's silly, but no, honestly, that I've just no, noticed no, more ads. I don't know I've if that's I've just me. I've noticed more but... ads. I don't. I, some of them are decent, actually. Some of them are just not good at all. But I mean, that's just the nature of, of advertising on the internet. Uh, let's let's leave that. Let me yeah, get I don't to my know two how questions. Much they've changed yet, to be honest, on the ad side. But yeah, but yeah, we, we can revisit that later. Let's revisit actually, Bilal. You, I mean, this is your domain. We'd love to. Yeah, yeah. If you get some insights, uh, definitely share them. But so two questions. So Jack, I still don't understand the mechanics of this. For the listeners, people stop DMing me. I, I had no inside information. I did not get in early. I get asked once a day. Hey man, how early did you get in on this? Man, that's your co-host. I'm like, you guys don't understand. I don't know shit. 
So here, <laughs> explain this to me. Okay. We so, called you Fiat Fan for a long time yeah, for a exactly. reason. Trunk. Here we go. For the listeners, I've pulled up uh, one of Jack's checks. Uh, this one looks like, uh, so this is a six-figure one, Jack. Is this correct? So Sold for six figures? What, no, 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 no. So here's the here's the new okay, one. Can you here's, tell us what this is? Tell us what this is. Yeah, so this is the current image that the checks metadata points to. So the collection of 16,030 is pointing to this image right now. So you, as the owner, whoever buys this gets to write to that pointing of this 10 by 8 grid that looks like uh, some of the uh, checks, the majority of them are gray and indiscreet. The rest of it looks like a crypto punk. You've done it yeah. in the shape of a crypto punk, right? The the most expensive crypto punk sale ever. So this crypto punk sold for twenty nine point eight million dollars. That's the Figma founder Dylan Field selling it to. Uh, no, no, oh, oh, selling it to yeah, yeah, Brug Braguji, yeah. So See. can you tell me? You changed this, though. It didn't look like this initially, this piece of artwork. You changed Correct. it. Correct. Okay, so my question is this. All right, you mentioned this earlier. This is what I'm trying to get to the uh, the the, uh, the nuts of. Is it nuts the right word? That's the wrong word. Get That's to fine. the guts of it. Yeah, yeah. I, people, you know what I'm talking about. All right, Jack has this photo that has changed. Initially, it was just it was just white checks in the in this grayish black background. Is that correct? Uh, It was multicolored. It was colorful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then my question is this. You changed this to the most expensive uh, a crypto punk sale ever. So obviously this is going to be mimetic. It's going to have a lot of value. It uh, looks like this has resold. Uh, I, I'm probably incorrect. Here. Is this, did it not resell for six figures, this new artwork? Well, the entire collection has this image on it for okay. however long I keep it on there. So the sales that happen while this image is the image that represents the collection, technically you could say that, yes. Okay, so my question is this. How do we know that you're not picking and choosing which ones and you know the owner of, like, if I own this, I'm like, oh, man, I'm, I'm Japs to boy. He's going to turn this into a crypto punk. That's going to be extremely I, can, I think all I of can. them are. They right? all change all at the same, at the same time. time. They all, what do you mean they all change? How many change? 21 of them change. Not, Every not single one. Every single one changes to this image. Wait, all 16,000? Yes. Oh, Jesus, Christmas. So why is this one more valuable than the other ones? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> also, when you change, everything's changing at the same time. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yo, okay. Your oh, yo, hold is mind on. blown. Okay, this but hold on a second. This is hold the commentary on. going on. How many times have you changed all the all 16,000? Five. Okay, so when you're changing them, you're, you're, you're putting some thought. You're not just doing it willy-nilly. Right. No, no. So okay. None of this is willy nilly. Okay. So then explain this to me. <laughs> None what, of this is willy nilly. Why is this? So what? It says here, VB edition sold for seventy six uh, ETH, hundred twenty five thousand. So, so that is a number of them. I think it's twenty one. Twenty one editions. It's a. It's someone bought twenty one of them at the same time. Oh, okay, okay. Not this because everybody had this. Correct. Oh, dude, this is my new. What if, uh, what if you just wanted this though? Like, what if I own this? I'm like, yo, this is dope. Don't change it. Doesn't matter. Don't Jack buy right click save it. Yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> shit. Oh my god. Okay. So, I'm what is an blown. NFT? That's the whole point. Like, what? Okay. Okay. What Jack, are you buying? Yeah. yeah. What, this, does, okay, what is this? Did you guys already talk about the royalty? 
on this. No, we no. didn't talk about that okay, yet. Okay, we but... got to talk about this now because no. you just blew my mind. <laughs> so, Jack, I'm going to ask about... I know uh, I'm not supposed to ask about money, but I'm going to do it. It's too late. Well, people. to clarify, Jack has never said not to ask about money. Yeah. That was a, a listener Until, yeah. Well, the listener actually about commented that. after. He's like, Trung, like, I didn't mean to yeah, suck yeah, the yeah. He's like, I'm just playing around. But like, there's more to this. There's, and as Jack is yeah. showing and blowing my mind, there is more to this. So, royalty. When you began this project, you made uh, whatever amount. We don't have to talk about it from the initial sale. And then afterwards, you uh, put a, uh, if you would like, whatever percentage you'd like on additional sales, this is what you can give back to the original artist. So here's, uh, so here's the, here's the, there's a lot of nuance to this. And okay. I don't understand it as well as people who are like technically building the infrastructure. But basically what's happened in the last six months or so around um, the secondary market of NFTs is marketplaces have created their own rules about royalties. So because this stuff is all permissionless, technically there are ways around paying royalties, right? So if I decide to send you something directly, we could do an over-the-counter thing, Trung, and the artist doesn't have to know about it, the market doesn't have to go through a marketplace, all of that stuff. So early on, because there was only one marketplace basically, or there's a couple of marketplaces that all are kind of abided by this social contract. The artists are going to get their royalties. It all went swimmingly and everybody's getting paid secondary, all that stuff. Over time, all these competing products have come out and said, we found a way to get around it. We're going to do, you know, flat 0.5%. OpenSea lets you set it. But now if you set it on OpenSea, you have to block these other marketplaces. There's a bunch of nuance that goes into this, right? And to begin with, when the piece went on to secondary market, I decided not to enforce it from the top down because I preferred this idea of them being able to operate on all these other marketplaces, right? Specifically Blur, if you guys have heard of this, but it's like the second biggest platform. So OpenSea is huge. Blur is probably, I don't know, 20, 30% of OpenSea. It's just unbelievable. And what and happened to the other one? What happened to the centralized one? What was that other one called? Looks rare. They're still going and stuff, but it's just, it's OpenSea and Blur. Those are the two, okay. those are the two big ones. So in order for it to trade on Blur, I had to keep the royalties optional. So Blur pays a flat point, for, at this point in time, paid, paid a flat 0.5% on everything. And they eat anything above on the optional. So if some, if a, if a buyer, if a buyer's like, I want to give this guy ten percent, they're eating nine and a half percent and giving you 0.5. because that sounds like bullshit. No, no, you can you can pay extra. To, you can pay okay, extra, okay, but it's okay, just going to okay. be added to the total. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, good. so you could volunteer to pay extra, but Blur is like, I'll show you a, a screen share of it. This is like weapons grade, you know. Um, oh, like this a looks like platform. way more than. This looks like a proper trading platform, whereas OpenSea is much more in the art kind of like, here's the visual. OpenSea is, yeah, it's like eBay, basically. You know, yeah. you're like going okay. listing by listing, and this is like, you know. This is return of the edge of the internet segment, by the way. Yeah, this dude, is... how hard are you? I mean, dude, Jack, you, the <laughs> dopamine just must be ink. You got a newborn, man. Oh, my goodness. That's Your brain must just be out of control right now. And your parents are in town, man. You're out of control, times, bro. Crazy okay. times, boys. So, so I try, I try and wrap this up. It's pretty dry, but the the five the point five percent is flat on Blur. Two point five percent was optional on OpenSea, and it's on when it's optional, it's on the seller. 
to decide. So when okay. I relist something, I decide whether or not I want to I want to send royalties to the original creator. So obviously, as a project gets more interest, like people get more interested in it, the the price of the pro the price of the art goes up, which means the number that is represented in the preview when you're about to list it goes up. So fewer and fewer people volunteer to put it in there, right? So this like they're, they're inversely correlated. If the royalties are optional as the art gets more expensive, the amount of people that send the opt into the royalties goes down. Um, and then I'm going to completely botch the technical understanding of this, but like a week ago, something got shipped that allowed the two and a half percent royalty to be enforced on blur. And I switched that back on. So it's about a week ago. So now on those two platforms. Oh, so both OpenSea and Blurb now have the two and a half percent. Correct. All right, great. Yeah. What that so does is it restricts yeah. some functionality on Blur, which is like bidding where people just can go in and just like make an offer on an entire collection. But overall feels to me like nets out more fairly. And two and a half percent in this space is, you know, some like one of the lowest I've ever seen. That board AP six point nine percent is that right? Correct. So just for context for people, so and, and, we, then, and I mean, we're like we're building something here and and have like people to pay and stuff. Yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, no one's against anyone making well, money. Well, how in this big as is well, the but... team working on this? Like uh, even part time contract. Like how how many people do they have working on this? Two, um, like a uh, guy called Jalil and Traff. So Jalil's doing all the back end work and um, smart contract engineering, all that stuff. Traff is like front end design. Two, two absolute freaking genius legend dudes that I met through Visualize Value, known them for three or four years. It's just like perfect. It's just a perfect storm. Like there's no way I could have gone to like the open market and found people with this level of talent and like the trust that exists where it's like, here's the idea like implicitly trust these guys to do an incredible job of it. Um, and then we've had a couple of people come in to do like audit the contracts, make sure everything's working right. And, you know, put second set of eyes on it, but three of us. Incredible. Jack, let me, at least to my last question, I actually had, I wanted two, but this, I know that we can actually keep this one. Cause it's, That's so good, second, the second question I was going to ask is, is could checks ever be as big as crypto punks? I think we should leave that one because we, let's not blow our load just yet okay people <laughs> let's not put the car in front of the horse antonio you might want to bleep that okay so what <laughs> this is what i want to ask you jack so you have experienced going viral putting memes out into the world like i think that this is pointless i've seen that everywhere like the famous graph you have where the chart goes up to the right and then uh it says this is pointless right before it goes uh, exponential uh people are probably familiar with that Checks, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the most viral memetic thing you've ever done. Like by, by like, oh, what, yeah. would you magnitude. what would you like? Like, just give me a number off the top of your head. Hundred times more than VV stuff. Like, how many times more? I mean, you had the Naval thing. You've had moments. Easily a hundred times okay. more. Yeah, and it's like vicious in comparison it's, it's to on, that like, stuff. Like you, like I want to get into the psychology of this because I find it so like people is clearly. He's a whale, right? He's the whale in the NFT space. One of the highest selling individual artworks ever, 69 million. Obviously, people might remember that, the 5,000 days, the first thousand. I'm trying to understand, wrap my head around this. This is about a month old. How quickly this happened. 
what does it feel like to be in that storm, man? Like, like legitimately, like just stand back and like, if you could talk through that. It's odd, man. Like it is, it does feel like a alternate environment, especially with what's going on personally right now. It's like the two worlds and a crazy time. What, it's like, insane, man. Visualized value is definitely more like the, the, you know, the version of visualized value that we, we met through and that has existed for three, four years now is much more, I don't know. I wouldn't say much less, much less organic, but it's more controlled. You know what I mean? It's like the palette is fixed. Like the type of ideas that are being expressed are like, they only reach a certain corner of the world. It's just, a, it's just a completely different beast than this thing that kind of has taken on a life of its own. And that is, uh, that's just different than anything I've experienced before. It's different than creating something that gets shared a lot versus creating something that gets like reinterpreted, memed, like just completely. Um, Look, you put the Budweiser one. I think that's a great example. Like the yeah, me, Budweiser I think team I had it doing that. One sec. It's like you had leaped into, because there's these still walls, right? Like you leaped into the mainstream in a way. You know what I mean? It's like that is the, the one of uh, Anheuser Busch. That owns all these beer brands, like multi hundred billion, there we go. Billion Here's dollar the Budweiser. Company. Yeah, this, this is, is it. Like yeah, Jack. Crazy. This yeah, buds yeah, for yeah, you, yeah, Jack. Yeah. For the uh, listeners, it's Jack, uh, Jack. the Budweiser crown in the eight by ten grid that Jack had done. They they they, they tipped their hat to Jack for this one, but it's the same idea. It's like you had invented this tent up, and that you had popularized it through the Czech template. And then, so the question I'd ask, the last question on this is, have you had? a thought of like, I don't think I'll ever be able to top this or does it even matter to you? No, but seriously, right? Like, That's a like good this question. Is, You're this right. This is I... so, this moment is so crazy. People are saying yeah. this will be CryptoPunks level. Like what, like, is in your head like shit? Like, do I just ride this till the wheels come off because I don't know how to catch that magic in the ball again? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I think the thing that made it what it is, is... um kind of trusting the idea that you will fit, you'll come up with something especially like listening observing following your instincts and interests so the likelihood statistically is probably low that you hit like something as crazy but the behaviors that led me to it i think are the same things that got made visualized value a thing uh, like being, I think we've talked a lot about this is like being internet literate, like culturally literate on the internet is the, that's like the catalyst for all this stuff and the ability to run a thousand experiments, 10,000 experiments and think of everything as an experiment. Like every image has the potential to become something like this. Like if, if, it's definitely lightning in a bottle moment. And I think there's like the extensions of it are so unbelievable. Like I feel like I could live a hundred lifetimes and still not max out the application of this thing. Cause it also feels different to visualize value in the way that it is restrictive or like there's a, there's a creative thread in it but it like it's maximally expressive at the same time. So compared to the visualized value canvas, this is kind of like barbell 
creative uh, environments to live in. This one's like super, you know, visualized value being this environment where you try and use restraint as much as possible to express a concept. And then checks is like all the way on the other end of the spectrum where it's, this doesn't have to decode some, or on, the, on its surface, it doesn't have to decode some high concept idea. It can just be this like artistic uh, expression of something or like a movement of, you know, Budweiser changing their thing to mimic the format of this thing in the same way that like people have sent me their kids Legos that they're building in the style of checks or like kids <laughs> drawings Yeah, where if you overlay that same behavior on visualized value, it just doesn't have that. It doesn't have that accessibility in the same way. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's so much more I want to explore with this that I'm not even thinking about the next thing. Um, and it also has the flexibility to, change in a way that right now at least I feel like um is would still allow me to like be creatively satisfied for a long time does that make sense yeah this is uh we talk about on the pod a lot like for the two almost two years we've done the pod like we've talked about moments in time like we had sailor on the pod we had other big guests that we you know like tetranode was kind of a cool moment and then there was the building versus betting there was the nft craze originally like there's been so many of those moments like having kids like that is kind of a cool thing but like i'm just going to share the screen real quick because like this is still in the last 24 hours number one not just trending but top nft project on OpenSea. And then last seven days as well, you're still there. And it's pretty incredible. Like, I mean, this is like not just, oh, you're trending for a few hours sort of thing. This is like a month in. You've got, this is the website, by the way. That I think Traff built the front end for this, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could, I could just tell from the, his style, the style is so is like sick, yeah, sick yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's sick. And look, you've already had $27.5 million worth of secondary sales, 16,500 ETH. Like there's all the numbers there. If people want to go check it out, it's all public really cool i'm assuming it just pulls from blockchain mm -hmm. and just yeah really man it's just like incredible it's just so sick that i don't really have words for it honestly like the yeah the it's like out of my hands in some in some respects yeah, yeah. it's just incredible but i think what you said there before about like the ten thousand images like you know like we met once you'd already started visualized value but it was still quite early and just to see like oh okay i already saw straight away oh this is something that stands out it's very cool that this resonated, but over time to see you keep building it. And then I remember when NFTs first started popping off, I remember us texting about it and being like, hey, have you seen NFTs? I was like, thinking I was being there quicker than you. And you're like, oh, actually, I had a call about it like two days ago. Yeah, I'm actually interested in looking at it. And just to see that and then us exploring ideas of CCO openly building this stuff in public and like the trunks coming back in. Um, and just, yeah, it's really cool to see you actually executing all the ideas in this way and you're you're really questioning a lot of the assumptions people have about what nft is and, and stuff like that so thanks really mate. cool I, one other thing that that like brings me on to and i think this be a good segue into the next subject is this is going to come off as maybe a little crazy but the the rate at which labor is being displaced for example right the AI, robotics, whatever, whatever buzzword you want to insert in there. It's like, what are legitimate revenue streams for people 
on the internet. And that's what visualized value has always been about, right? It's like, how do you best express your talent on the internet, connect that so that can connect you to maximum opportunity, optionality, all of that stuff. And this, this whole movement is what that's about too. Is like if there's many examples of people getting involved in this that had no traction on their NFT artwork or their art career on the internet at all. And, you know, by as a function of inserting themselves into this conversation, made a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks, like got traction on a on something they made. And not everybody's going to start a like, a, you know, not everybody's going to run a payroll business be a like ad, you know, make ads or consult on X, Y or Z. That's not I mean, to me, there's there's a a version of the future where I wrote, I wrote this like satirical tweet on this probably two years ago. Now it's like in, tw in 10 years, you're either going to work for Amazon or you're going to be an artist. Yeah. 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 I remember I was talking about that. Yeah. Like that. On track. We're on yeah. track. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, it, it just feels like the, as all things are tend to be this, just like evolutionary response to the way the world works. Right. Like, People look from the outside, it's like, this is dumb. People like spending money on pictures on the internet. And then my retort to that is like, yeah, it's dumb having like 9,000 administrators to write an insurance contract yeah. or to, you know, bill somebody for a doctor's visit. It's like 90% of, well, that's, that's egregious. 50% of economic activity is f absolutely pointless inflated nonsense right the i think we Big did the quote the buckminster fuller the buckminster fuller oh, yeah. quote last year like the the rate of innovation at the top end is enough to pay for 99% but we have these crazy you know i guess instinctual or yeah we we're always in the, we're always rat racing around and to to convert that energy of quote unquote pointlessness into making art, having fun, making like friends on the internet feels to me like there's something viable there outside of having to pretend like you're doing something you care about. Cause the amount of like the quality of interactions I have in, in this world is just exponentially superior to people trying to start marketing agencies, for example. Yeah. Yeah, incredible, not, man. Uh, not to not to jag on people doing that. No, no, I mean, yeah, I did yeah. it. I no, did no, it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I did no, it. I'm, and I'm saying, like, this is also because it's what I care about. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying, like, it was, it was non-viable for me for years and years and years. I have this conversation with Celia five years ago, six years ago. I was like, I would love to be an artist. I would love to make art, sell art, do that for a living. And it's like the pathway to that five years ago was like just non-existent. It's like, what yeah. the fuck am I going to do? This was just before me and you met Bilal. I did an art show in New York. I got pictures of it. Like I paid to exhibit at an art yeah. show in New York. In some Yo, like, and who, who's paying who now? Uh, no, like ass end of Queens <laughs> thing. Like somebody on Instagram messaged me like, oh, hey, we're doing this show. Uh, all you have to do is pay us 400 bucks, buy, buy all the tickets for the people that are coming. And I was like, this is sick. I'm going. Yeah, and I think I spent eight hundred dollars getting art like made, printed for it, sold I think forty bucks worth, two posters, and I was just like, all right, pack it in, 
back to the marketing game, yeah. you know, back to like finding client, back to doing, you know, Dude, that's free, unreal, man. That's what, PL. that's what people want to hear, man. That's what people should be hearing. No, is, that's uh, incredible. No, man. Well, Jack, if, oh, yeah, go on. No, but sorry, but I just want to add uh, when Jack was before I cut off there, cause my Canadian internet's pathetic. Um, the <laughs> thing that Jack was saying about, uh, you know, first of all, it's way too early to see what's next, right? You you got a lot of runway on this existing project. And I, I, I like that you touched on that. But the thing I wanted to say about what you said was, you know, does this feel special? Like you're still in the hurricane, the storm. But I mean, you brought up a good point, right? It's like, it's not like you spent 10 years preparing uh, to build this exact thing, right? Like you're just, man, you were doing what Jack Butcher does. You riff on culture, you're posting stuff on Twitter. You're minting NFTs. This is not your first one. You've been doing this. Uh, you probably thought, hey, this might be a good one, but I'm just going to put it out there. If it doesn't work out. Guess what? I'm going to do one in February anyways mm-hmm. and just keep grinding. That's that's. I think that's the takeaway, right? Like you, you talk about being internet native and a big takeaway I think people should have is if you're internet native and things are real pointy. The power laws really take over. You just got to, you got to put shots on net because the one that hits, you only need one. That's it. You only need one to hit and it's game over. Yeah. This other, um, you remember the, the meme, 15 minutes of fame. Everyone gets their, I don't know who coined that. Maybe a Mark Twain or something. Warhol, Warhol. Was it Warhol? Oh, that's sick. All right. I need to read up on that. Um, culture moves on right like every everything's gonna move on like you're gonna be irrelevant one day like that's just a that's just like the cold hard facts so trying to come to terms with the fact that when there is something when you create something that resonates at scale just go after it as hard as you can in in the same way that like that shaped a lot of visualized value where i was like it's all these things i could do and want to be doing and um you know, all these clients I want to work with, but seems like these black and white images are really resonating and I like making them. So I'm just going to cut all that, like painfully say, no, sorry, I can't do that. Like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to go back from the shiny, you know, supercar photo shoot, which was very fun to, I'm going to go, you know, to some entrepreneur meetup in a bar in, uh, uh, Herald square and do five PowerPoint slides for a guy that just quit his job and is trying to start like a little SaaS tool. Like you just like cutting off the options and uh, like it's the, you know, the dip of stopping doing all the things that are kind of okay to try and like find traction in a, in something highly specific. And obviously it all is like, chain reaction none of it happens in a vacuum Beeple is like a hundred thousand times better example of this too the dude is putting out everyday renders at like obscene quality for 15 years i don't even know when he sold his first piece of work i think he used to sell templates for like after effects uh back in the day so it's like here you know 99 bucks for all of these scenes that he set up all these textures that he's built all of that stuff and then Eventually, this technology comes around. It's like, well, who is a notable artist, internet native artist? It was obviously him. Like, he's been committed to the craft, and the technology just didn't exist to market the work in the same way. And now the dude's building a 50,000 square foot museum in Charleston for his work. And he's going to exhibit a bunch of other artists in there, too. So, just 
man. And, and obviously power laws, all of that plays into that shit. And artists that make a great living while they're alive too. Like the internet is like compressing the amount of time it takes to get great work out into the world. We should call this episode five memes a day for three summers, by the way, because that's basically <laughs> the theme here is basically. Is there somebody else we can reference other than Kanye? Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Um, uh, it's provocative that's amazing, though, dude. Yeah. Jack, uh, no, I just got to say, hat tip, but, uh, the, the, one thing, the last thing I'll say about this is I think what you did with the, the, the earthquake uh, donations for Turkey. I mean, that, I mean, this is, Checks things amazing, but and I know you've done charity work before around uh, NFTs. It's just that to me is what matters ultimately. Like you built this massive platform, and you're and people people complain about NFTs. They, I, I'm sure you got fucking haters. I'm like, dude, what haters? Three six figures for a, an awful humanitarian crisis because you put all this effort in to build a massive platform. This is the reason you do what you do or anybody should be doing what they mm -hmm. do. Yeah, 100 and like the that is way more satisfying on a personal level than any of the like financial stuff too. And it sounds like bullshit when people say this, but there's a there's this I don't know, there's just this massive opportunity I feel like to it's just like an incredibly positive sum. Like, why not do this? It just doesn't make sense to me that this is not instinctual for anybody with a massive platform. And yeah, I, I, like that's the most exciting part of this to me. I think I could say this, Bilal, the, um, we could cut it out if not, but I just Absolutely. met up with- um, Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna reference it. Scott Harrison, right? I just met up with Scott Harrison last week, charity water founder, Bilal's old yeah. uh, colleague. And yeah. uh, I was, talking to him about this idea of the tangibility of giving right like he's obviously built an incredible organization as a function of his ability to describe the impact that you have when you give yeah and one of the best storytellers you ever meet right incredible you, you I, I, yeah. I think that's an, like that is a great testament to what it takes to change the world right the ability to distill a narrative, tell people, what's the thing? It's like, you want to get people to build a boat, don't like gather all the wood and do all that. Just like inspire, stand up and inspire hundred people to go like travel the high seas. And um, yeah, I forget where I was going with this. No, the idea of like making giving tangible and, and transparent and out in the world and part of culture is something that I think this is like uniquely unlocking where even the traction around that tweet where people are like, I just did this, here's this piece of art that represents this thing that I contributed to is, is much different than you go into the donation page. And we talked about this before, like taking a picture of your receipt and sharing it on Instagram. Like nobody's going to like, yeah. that's crude, right? Nobody's going to do that. This is like, it's, it rides the like line of human psyche in a perfect way where you can feel good about supporting a cause and signal it in a way that isn't like, Hey, look at me. I'm doing like, I'm so benevolent. Yeah. I'm such a good guy. So right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, well. Uh, when you said Scott's name, I was actually thinking of something he said that I was going to reference as well, which was like the kind of like power of giving along the way too. And just like the fact what you're doing, what you just did there, you're middle of this crazy storm, 
just had a second baby, your family's here. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of people can say, oh, well, as it gets towards the end of the year, I'm gonna look at how much money I made and I'm gonna give a percent that I planned, which is nothing wrong with that. Like there's better than not giving at all, in fact. But the cool thing is you probably raised 10 times more money than you might have been able to just give a loan oh, yeah, by like yeah, creating yeah, something within, you know, however long that took you to, to execute an hour or whatever. Um, and yeah, the raised, you like, can, just for sorry just for context yeah, yeah, i raised more money in the last two weeks than i made last year oh wow so i could not have given myself like, yeah just couldn't have. That, yeah that's crazy that wow that's crazy yeah and but like that other thing of like doing it along the way because another another thing a lot of people do is oh one day i'm going to be so rich and i'll be able to do some good with mm -hmm. it which is again like a great thing but like once you actually give a little bit and you see that and importantly you see the impact of it right because if you just give it into a black hole and then you see the ceos flying on a private jet and then you're pissed off that they're in the in the news for corruption that yeah. is going to turn you off doing like something really good when you find some places where you're like oh i can actually see they're doing good stuff and and you see the impact of it and you experience like whatever that is right the the cause wherever you're helping yeah. you're you're kind of addicted to it you're like well why wouldn't I do that, right? Like, if I'm able to do that in this time, like, I know we're in a recession basically right now, but if you're listening to this, very likely you're in the top five, ten percent of the world's income and like prosperity, or whatever. Information, yeah, information, yeah. everything, right? So, like, whatever you can do along the way is it makes a big difference to your life, I think, as well. So, yeah, that's amazing you did that, man. Uh, Trung, anything else before we wrap that up? Move on to the next no, thing, Jack, great, as well. Man. Happy Jack, anything some... else? Uh, yeah, just, but yeah, I think both Trung and I kind of like lost for words in a way. We're just like, this is amazing, yeah, man. This is amazing. like next level stuff. I appreciate it, boys. Yeah, it's, but I mean, so am I. It's just been uh, like hallucination <laughs> almost. It's amazing. Yeah, incredible. Well, yeah, well done, man. This is sick. And uh, everyone go check it out on, was it? Um, Checks.art is the website with the information. I, like, yeah. I have to say the write-up, this quite a short write-up, the information on it, which is kind of like the um kind of like the you know the the write-up of what you're doing the idea the initial idea is like really really sick like Thank when you, you read it you're like it perfectly summarizes everything that you kind of said in the last hour um all right trung let's move on to tiffany and nike collab we'll see yeah, if we get time it. on the ai stuff later but i think you wanted to talk about this tiffany and nike collab so yeah so uh, this is related because uh I, I wrote about it this weekend and uh, you guys probably saw it on the internet um so this is uh, for the listeners. It's uh, uh, Nike and Tiffany did a collaboration. Uh, they did a Nike Air Force One shoe in black, and the check is in the Tiffany blue. They also did some accessories, uh, including this two hundred and fifty dollar silver toothbrush to clean your shoe, <laughs> which is pretty appropriate. But I, I thought this was funny. Uh, a lot of people did not like it, uh, and uh, one of the biggest uh, complaints was that uh, Alexander Arno is the worst type of nepo baby. A nepotism baby <laughs> despite all the privileges What's a nepo baby for people because that's a phrase people use on yeah, the internet but you know i'm what? not saying i agree with this but this is one of the uh, things that i saw a lot of uh people were very critical of the shoe they thought it was lazy um again it's a black air force one with the blue check i'm gonna throw it to you guys shortly uh but i'll just say what a nepo baby is a nepo baby is a terminology that got really big on tiktok and gen z in the past uh year uh somebody found out that um Judd Apatow's daughter was on a TV show and their initial instincts like, wow, she's such a good actress. And then later they found out that both of her parents are like Hollywood haters. And yeah. they just started calling individuals in Hollywood that have parents 
uh, that are from famous Hollywood. parents or whatever. Nepo babies, nepotism, uh, which is hysterical because it kind of blew up into a meme where everybody was like, somebody put a picture of George Bush and like, Hey, I just found out that his dad is uh, a former <laughs> president. What a Nepo baby. Uh, but, uh, Anyways, a lot of criticism of the shoe. I mean, you guys just thought, what, about, what, what do you think about it? And then we can talk about, uh, uh, in my mind, I'm just like, this is just a perfect, I thought the shoe was, it looked a little bit uninspired, but it was, I mean, it, it, it's 3% rule. It's the Virgil Abloh 3% rule. If you have two brands with massive mind share, like there's actually not a lot of room to be really creative, right? Uh, so what was the 3% again? You have to change. It's only you change only 3%, was it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll show the uh, the famous Virgil Abloh. Uh, so uh, Abloh calls it. Uh, so Virgil Abloh is the founder of Off-White Label Streetwear, was Kanye's former director. Creative, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, he uh, was the menswear director at Louis Vuitton. But yeah, so, well, Jack posted this on his Twitter when somebody mentioned that uh, Ablo uh, uh, quote. Uh, for the listeners, uh, I'm just showing the Ablo shoe here. Uh, on the left is the original Air Jordan. And then he's like, you take something and you tweak it 3%. And this was his rationale behind it. So I'll, I'll give you the rationale. He said this in a Harvard lecture. He goes, uh, Nike products are already so good and so perfectly put together that I only wanted to make slight edits. Uh, I wanted to recognize a shoe I already had, but it was a little bit, a bit of a personal touch. So that's his kind of aesthetic and uh, philosophy. Uh, he's written widely, oop, written widely about it. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think about the shoe, the Tiffany shoe? I Jack, think in you're the context, a brand guy. I want to hear yeah. yours first. I think if you don't like it, don't buy it. That's it. Yeah, it's very Sean, simple. Sweet, love very it. simple Twitter. It's and I think they'll be inversely proportional. That shoe sold out. The second oh, the yeah. JPEG it's, it's hit the up. internet, yeah, and yeah, I just I guess there's a there's a segment of just a weird segment of culture that thinks that like Tiffany and Nike owe them something. Yeah, yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know where that, yeah, know where that mentality comes it. from. It's very odd. Like if you think you can design a better shoe, crack on. And and those are the those like. To your point, Trung, it's mindshare is one component, but it's also their identities. Like Tiffany is not the audacious, you know, embroidered Gucci, right? Like floral, like motif, wildlife. This, that. It's it's the you want to make an argument for like what their brand asset is? It's that color, and what is the Nike's like apex brand asset? It's the swoosh. So yeah. like the ability for you to communicate that like that is, is like perfection in my mind. Like I'm not in the market for those, but if you asked me to do a Nike and Tiffany collab, that's probably one of the iterations of it. And every, mm. like, yeah, I, I guess, um, that's great art too. You know, like the, the, the negative response is pretty, is a part of this thing and the idea that you should create things that are universally loved as a as a producer of objects that presumably you have an opinion right you're a creator of things i'm not sure where the expectation that like yeah i i mean I just think it was a good job. They're going to sell out. They'll, they'll yeah. have like exponential demand and all the complaining is just driving up the price of these things. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's well, interesting, look, yeah. this was the best criticism I heard from Bobby Hundreds, the other streetwear legend. He said that he thought it was a missed opportunity by Tiffany, as in he's like he'd wish it had been a jewelry collaboration and got sneakerheads into jewelry. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I no, read that's that. Cool. That's cool. That's yeah. I mean, cool. That is an interesting idea, but I kind of like the shoe. I feel like the shoe is more accessible in a way and it's a lot more uniform, but I, I, I could see it going either way. Like you could do it the other way, but I, it just feels like, yeah, shoe, there's more people that can buy a shoe well, and you can a, kind of up level the shoe a bit more than like a, to me, Tiffany diamond. I think of diamond ring. Like the, I don't know. I don't know the lowest price point on it in the Tiffany catalog, thankfully, but, um, but, the, <laughs> but like, it's probably not as low as a air force one or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the, and this, that's the trade-off between the two brands. Like, I find these things so fascinating. Like, the, every, br like, huge brand collaboration is, like, they're, like, you know, uh, like, which one? It's, like, a, like, like, muscle up to each other, and it's, like, who gets prime spot right what is the like the silhouette oh, that's versus a great the... point right like this is like you you look at it and no one dominated the other it's like right here it is you caught your blue on the check like boom done yes yeah, really a I, it's like a hard thing to do the well and i like massively respect especially like you know the upscale and like ubiquitous brand collaborations like uh gucci north face is another oh, sick one have you ever saw that so nice like man. those puffers that they did supreme just... north supreme north face too was freaking sick. incredible yeah like you like you could buy a north face hoodie for 30 bucks in tj maxx but they still retained and and pulled off this incredible collaboration and yeah. obviously gucci's doing a lot of the lifting but north face is bringing the distribution of you know, maybe 1% of the North Face audience at a diehard North Face supporters, whatever you want to call them, are going to go for that. So it's like distribution versus um, like extreme luxury in that case. And obviously, I mean, Tiffany and Nike are probably similar levels of recognition. Obviously, Nike is like, I don't know, one, two, three top brand in the world that's still. Well, they're in the business of like luxury for the masses, right? Tiffany's owned by Louis Vuitton, uh, Moe Hennessy, Bernardo knows. We've talked about that bloke in the past, okay, the richest guy in the world now. Uh, they're, I mean, I'll give you a number. This is crazy. So they acquired uh, Tiffany for about 13 billion euros. And uh, it, it's looking like uh, they're headed for about a billion dollars in profit, Tiffany. Although some people think the brand's getting too old or like not, uh, not coming with the times. That's 13 times for Tiffany. So Bernard no. That dude don't miss. Like he yeah. is still oh, sorry, the conglomerate when you said 13, you mean 13, 13 X times the profit? Earnings. Yeah, yeah, 13 yeah. times PE, uh, which is very, very low. Like the S&P 500, I guess before the sell-off was as high as 25 last year. It might be actually be around 13 or 15 now. But the whole point is like Bernardo no knows how to allocate capital. Um, the only other thing I add on the shoe is, yeah, it's just the idea of the 3% rules, like, uh, you know, novelty and familiarity. We talk about it all the time. It's similar to Jack's checks thing. That's why every different version uh, is a riff, but it comes in with a built-in meme, right? And we talked about this before. It's like, why would you throw away? Think about the tens of billion dollars that Nike's put into marketing, all the mind share it's had, all the mm -hmm. athletes it's been associated with. Think about Tiffany. It's storied history, right? It's like, you're not going to tweak too far away from those memes. I mean, we talk about it all the time. So 
The margin is in the meme, Trung. Exactly. <laughs> there it goes, man. That sounds like a that sounds like a VV shirt in the making. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I just like the LVMH thing is fascinating. Why we keep coming back to it, I think, is this idea. This just coincides with all of the things that we talk about, where you can. It's just like a ridiculous arbitrage opportunity, right? To acquire these things that are so deeply rooted and have such rich um, histories. I actually had this thought, Celia and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, I, I, and Trung, maybe you could do better research on this than me. This idea of what is the most valuable luxury item in the world producer scales a Birkin bag, right? Yeah, Hermes. And Hermes is, by my research, the oldest luxury brand in the world. Uh, they're definitely from the 1860s, 18s. Oh, no, no. They were making leather for Napoleon. So, wait, wait. I love yeah. how Trunks said 1860s yeah, specifically. Yeah. He's Jesus in there, Christ. Man. No, brain they, is they're insane, making for Napoleon. It's, it's, 200, it's 200 years plus. Right. So, yeah. the myth, the meme, the lindiness of Hermes passed on through I don't know how many generations that now is stored in this object, right? And I don't know, the Louis Vuitton, I think, is only... It's coming up on 100 years old or something. It's like early 1900s, yeah, LVMH if I remember. Is, yeah, it's, it's, it's not 200 years old. The 1926? Fun, <laughs> fun fact, fan, is uh, the, the legend of, uh, uh, of Hermes is they were doing uh, the leather saddles for horses of the French army. So uh, they're leather workers. Boys, I don't yes. know if this is true, but sorry, I just Googled. You said LVMH, right? Uh, Louis Vuitton, Vuitton specifically, yeah. Oh, Louis Vuitton. Okay, okay, okay. I'll double check. Why you going? You keep saying what you're saying. I'm just checking when it was founded. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hermes is 1837. The, 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 the leather style was for Napoleon. Louis Vuitton, 1854, actually. Yeah, so they're pretty close. Oh, shit. All right, all right. Fair for enough. For almost 200 yes. years. Almost 200 years for Hermes. Um, yeah, so I, I, like, I always think about this, the... Man, the the margin in those stories is just absolutely insane. And obviously it comes from having great product. That's not like saying that they're just amazing marketers, like it's product combined with great story. Yeah. But compared to technology that is way more uh, vulnerable to narrative swings versus these things that are like just cashing in like cultural equity over and over and over and over again. And it makes sense that the person who figured out to like scale that operationally is up there with the you know the wealthiest people in the world it's a crazy exactly a crazy thing brand is a a wild device it's a hell, it's a hell of a drug uh mm -hmm. that's all i had on that one um i think we, i think it, we got enough time to squeeze in i feel uh, we can just squeeze in this last one so i'm just going to share my screen for a second we got an ai segment here we got to do it this is uh so basically this segment we're going to be talking about google just announced their new um open ai competitor essentially or what their chat gpt competitor which we'll get to in a second but i think they need to actually be watching out for our boy chad gpt so let's just see here here we go if you can see my screen can you guys see that and hopefully you'll be able to hear us on the audio hi tech twitter I'm Chad GPT, an imaginary VC associate. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, uh, generated. Boy, Tom but Hardman. my business advice is almost as good yeah, as a real VC. He said it. While I have zero operational experience, that won't That's stop me from chiming in and sharing my opinions on tech. After changing my profile pic from laser eyes to Lensa avatar, I am now a true <laughs> expert on generative AI. Mention <laughs> asked Chad GPT in a tweet, I mean, it looks and I'll respond real, with a video sharing all my wisdom. My DMs are always open. Right, Tweet anyway, it, ask Chad GPT, and let me know how I can be helpful. I mean, pretty incredible. I mean, doesn't that look pretty accurate, right? Yeah, we're going to have to do a whole follow-up on uh, this generative AI for video stuff. I mean, because today we're just going to talk a bit about uh, search versus um, uh, uh, chat. But uh, l let me give a second meme of the week here. Uh, good old Elon. It, uh, the he bore yeah, he borrowed trung's meme you don't that's i believe in the borrowing of memes but uh you guys remember this template this template's killer for the listeners it's uh it's the dude that uh, doesn't look like he hung out with a lot of other kids and maybe he's on the computer all day <laughs> but it reads when you're partying i study chat gpt when you're having premarital sex and master stable diffusion while you wasted days training at the gym in pursuit of vanity i was training ml models and now that the world is on fire and Artificial general intelligence is at the gate. You dare to come to me for help? <laughs> oh, dude, I just swallowed my own saliva. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's do a quick chat about Bard. So Bard is the name of uh, Google's Chat GPT competitor. What do we think about it? I'll tell you actually the best take I've read about it. So Google disclaimer. Uh, uh, Bilal Zaidi uh, formerly worked for Google. Just everything every he says, time, with it, every everything time. he says, ha hold it with a grain of salt. But um, Lovell's IO, uh, who uh, partners with, uh, wait, do you know Lovell's real name? Uh, Bilal, uh, you, Peter Lovell's, right? Uh, Peter Lovell's, okay. So Peter what and name, uh, no, Danny. Great. Last name. Dan yeah. Isn't yeah. That, it's like that saying we talked about the, the singer's name, like yeah. the fact yeah, that his name is Peter Lovell's. Yeah. Harry Styles. <laughs> of course, right. he's going to be, of course, Lovell's is going to be a solopreneur or works with Danny Postma, who's uh, Jeff Bilal interviewed. And these yeah, guys yeah. do numbers, man. They do like make a couple mil a year on these solo projects. Yeah, and they're just individuals the world, right? smashing it out on their own. Love it. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're legends. So He's a fan uh, of Nomad List, if anyone's ever. Use, I, I okay, love that so site. That, if you're ever traveling anywhere, you, you should Lovell's? check out Nomad List, yeah. So uh, Peter had a great tweet. So yesterday, Sundar Pichai, uh, uh, Bilal's former colleague. Former <laughs> colleague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would Jack, just have lunch together. Because Jack, Jack said that Scott was yeah, your colleague. Scott. Pretty your that one was I mean, closer. Like, I did yeah, actually uh, report to Scott pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, Sundar, your former colleague at Google. Uh, they released uh so their their large language model is called Lambda language model for dialogue application. They're basically just doing uh chat GPT that uh, and apparently their large language models we've talked to in the past is as good if not better than OpenAI. But for regulatory and business reasons, as was as we've discussed, because OpenAI and Chat GPT is known a lot and be wrong, they gotta be a lot ca more careful. But Lovell's brought up a great point. He writes, every single Google launch in AI is without a link to a functioning product. True here. All Sundar said is like we're going to release this project and have some outside testers and then he goes just a press release or a white paper they're miles ahead in AI tech but Galaxy is behind in actually shipping a working product again they have a lot of risk and then he follows up with uh, Google had AI images generation before Dolly never shipped it they had AI text before GPT never shipped it Google is intrinsically sick and unable to ship a product or even maintain it see Stadia 
that's probably a little bit harsh. Yeah, but, a little hard. But yeah. I read this. I, I agreed with most of it. But was okay. there anything else before I, I was going to share my no, opinion just, on that? Uh, uh, so today, Microsoft uh, uh, is doing their open AI. So today is Tuesday. Tomorrow, when this podcast comes out, Google is going to be doing more about their text uh, GPT announcement. So I'll, I'll throw this to Bilal because I read the internal memo that Sundar sent along. He said, I want every single person at Google using Bard, which is, people don't know, Bard, the Bard of Avon, that's a nickname for William Shakespeare. Shakespeare is not pleased about this. Come on, guys. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, so, Shakespeare yeah, in his grave right now. in his grave. So he said he wants every single person to dog food this product. For the people who don't know, dog food means using your own product internally. And well, I'm going to ask Bilal, has Google ever sent around a product internally and said, I want every single person in this company using this? Yeah. Pro yeah. Uh, okay, I mean, like, it example, was never Gmail. normally... Well, no, it was never really like enforced normally. So this might be slightly on a high level, but basically there's actually an internal app, right? Where you, it's called like dog food, I think. Okay. And you literally, if you're interested, you can just basically dog food all the new stuff that's been worked oh, any, on. Like anything that's coming out. Yeah, and you can just sign up and, okay. and it's basically like beta testing for stuff that's not available to the public. So a lot of people I know have been playing around with this for ages already. Um, and so the enforce like you said like most of the time they wouldn't say hey everyone has to do it like the one time i remember which uh, i don't know how much i can say but it was basically like google docs versus using competitors right that we've all grown up using and saying like well we should try using our own stuff where we can but it was never like enforced like if you really needed excel or if you needed an, if you preferred an iphone you could use what you wanted right so it wasn't like well, you, you have to, to use an Android. Like, you don't have to use an Android. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact, I mean, if you think about it, they need to make apps for a billion people oh, using yeah, yeah, yeah. iPhones too. Guaranteed so, like, that Sundar could... rocks a, uh, an iPhone. Yeah, like, come I on, think bro. I normally they normally have both. Like, but that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Sergey. I think had both. But anyway, um, and so yeah, I think more so like saying in an email like everyone should be dog fooding it is more just to put it front and center for everyone to say like this is you know we've got hundreds of things being tested internally most of the time there's so many products but just letting everyone know this is very very important put it yeah. right to the Code top red. of your priority list Code Code red. red exactly and and so I, I, it, it is probably not that often that they would say that like everyone should be using it um so i think that's good my understanding of this stuff is this is my estimate from the outside but knowing how things work internally is that I don't think they're ready to ship this. That's to, to Peter Level's point. I 100% agree. Um, it, it, the threshold for what they can ship is way higher because they're Google. The narrative is already Google's late with this, right? Even though they actually had a lot of this stuff way before. They're, you know, open eyes. So stuff don't was, rush it now, right? There's no point yeah, in rushing it, having a exactly, shitty product. Great I think point. a lot, and I, I like Peter Level's a lot. I think what he's doing is really, really cool. But there is this narrative in this tiny little bubble of tech Twitter we're on, which I think is kind of already decided. Whatever it is, oh well, they're kind of late. They're this big, you know, company. They're not going to be able to do it in a in a way that a small, nimble company can. Which, to be honest, I kind of agree with. Like OpenAI, I think will probably keep shipping stuff more often than Google will. Um, but at the same time, I think they don't really know what's going on internally. So like there are like there is working product from what I understand. Um, and they could probably put it out right now and people can play around with it. But if you think about it from their point of view, they want to put it out when they're 
when they feel pretty comfortable that it's not just going to tank everything like it's going to take that one screenshot like i said to you guys before where an incorrect response about someone's race or you know something that's insensitive which already happens in you know chat gpt and that will be very it's negative crazy for the how company. microsoft has insulated kind of like you you nailed it man i i didn't think about what you said it's like yeah they've already the narrative is already there late there's yeah. no point like really it doesn't make a difference they released on february 7th versus march 7th at this point right yeah it's like make sure it's good and and by the time i think really announcing it is more like they know they need to get ahead of the curve and this is again not from inside information really it's just from my understanding and speaking to people about it it's just like if you think when you roll this up, people are thinking of like chat GPT, what we're playing around with in our browsers. If you think where the money is being going to be made for these big companies, Microsoft and Google, a lot of it's going to be enterprise. So the fact that Microsoft has already announced Google Office integration, Bing integration, whatever. Now, these enterprise contracts are not something you just go to a massive company and just say, oh, well, now sign this $100 million deal, right? For yeah. all your company internally to be using Google Docs or Office. Th these are ongoing conversations that take years a lot of the time. So what if you think it's beginning of the year, a lot of things that might have been getting cut because of budgets, because of the recession, this is, I think personally, it's a bigger thing on the narrative of like enterprise level stuff where you're now saying to, you know, Adobe and Apple, whoever else is using like Johnson & Johnson are using, you know, one of these enterprise solutions. They need to know the CIO or whoever's going to sign off on that deal for the next five years or whatever. They need to know, well, are they going to integrate this AI stuff or not? Because that's what I've been keep hearing about. And so just to say we have that, it that, coming. No, that's a great point. Yeah. yeah, I just want to say this is a great point that you brought yeah, up because yeah. you're right. the the real The real fish to catch, and to your point, Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft has the biggest hooks in enterprise, but there is a little bit of risk, right? Is like to launch this project, and and oh, so Sam Altman, CEO, uh, president of uh, OpenAI, previous president of uh, Y Combinator, he's been he was in a Forbes interview. He basically said that they rushed. ChatGPT out the door, like they didn't, they they didn't even really want to launch it or internally. Sam Altman wanted to, but a lot of people on the team were quite skeptical of it. They just didn't feel it was ready. But to your point, it's like the, the screenshots of it being like doing things that you're like, oh, this isn't great. It's like that is not great to your point for enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're an enterprise guy, you're like, this is not what we want, right? You like, can't you don't be want to messing move. with that. Yeah. So, and then so my general take though is. I think it's going to be a struggle for Google, regardless of the technology, to be honest, because I think, yeah, the technology, they're all going to be pretty good. But I think it's one of those things where it's a lot of it is like early, you know, first move advantage, getting the, the hooks in, like you said. But also, like, if you just compare, like, the best technology doesn't always win 100%. And or the, I know, like, or, a lot or of people, the first one, right? Or yeah, the or the first one. one. It's like, you, you, that's obviously a subjective thing, but like a lot of the no, time- No, you're right, dude. You're 100% right. The best, it's not yeah, typically the like, first one or the best. Like, so I still use Siri and it's shit, right? Like I yeah. should be using like, what uh, if there was Amazon Alexa on my phone or if there was the Google Assistant, it kind of is, it's way better than Siri, but I still use Siri for the two, three tasks I use it for, right? But th th this is the thing. It's like, the, there's a narrative part, there's a technology part, and then there's just this infrastructure boring stuff that we don't really think about, which is just big corporate shit that we don't really want to think about because it's boring, especially on a podcast. So um, so basically, yeah, uh, the other thing I would talk about is like, if you look at Slack versus Microsoft Teams, 
right? If you just think of like Slack, yeah. it's probably, I, I don't really use Microsoft Teams, but I'm sure it's pretty good. But Slack was the OG and, you know, redefined Wiped. what that experience was. Microsoft Teams just comes along, plugs it into all their people, and you're not going to now million. sign up for Slack, especially if you've exactly. already got Microsoft Stack. Office but, bundle, right? You got the office bundle. Teams is free. It's game over. Exactly. So, yeah. But, uh, Trung, what were you going to share there? You had a tweet No, I just up. showed the screen that you guys probably saw is uh, the time to 100 million users. Oh, this like, was crazy, GPT yeah. was two months. TikTok yeah. was nine <laughs> months. Instagram was two and a half years. WhatsApp was three and a half years. Gmail was oh, five years. Now, and Netflix boys. was 10 years. Obviously, I threw in joke in there, but uh, we don't need to talk about that joke. Uh, um, so I'll, 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 let, me, let me add this. Uh, Matt Blah, you brought some great points and a, a, a very much in the defense of Google. Not surprised, not Trump. <laughs> yeah. but, boys, one thing, just to, sorry to interrupt. The, no, go ahead. I was going to tie this back into what we were talking about earlier in the episode where these trends, yes, they're prevalent at like massive platform scale, but it's also true for individuals. Like time to create something that resonates with a a million people, 10 million people, oh, 100 yeah. million. I think the social platform that's, that is going to win next, and we didn't talk about this in the, the the context of the blue, the Twitter blue stuff earlier, but the idea of rerouting revenue to bl t Twitter blue subscribers. Did you see that tweet last week? Say more? No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Elon with tweeted. the ads, with yeah, the ads yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, uh, the replies. So, so if you're, Jack's if like, you're, Trunk, we know you got notifications right. on the Elon. You must have seen this one. Go. <laughs> if, you're, if you're devoting your career to writing smart threads and creating dumb memes, this is a potential <laughs> revenue stream for you. Oh, okay. This was the... the yeah, no, yeah, but yeah, I looked okay. at man. Dude, this is a revenue share for creators, knows, right? The CP, dude, the CPMs you'd have to hit to make this worthwhile. What was the, so just to clarify, Twitter is going to start sharing revenue with creators. For is that what it is? Com, for the replies, ads seen in the replies. Oh, only replies, which is only yeah. a small percentage. Well, we, and there no other information was given, but man, Bilal, you know the game, man. Like I've seen some of these TikTok numbers, like 100 million views, got like three bucks. <laughs> yeah, we, bucks, we yeah. shared the screen once. It was like, <laughs> seven dollars oh that was insane man well it but makes what, your subscription it offsets your subscription costs right yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's true you get a credit in your account for 252 <laughs> yeah. so your thing only costs five dollars but yeah um well i mean it, either way though i will say it's a good it's a positive step either way it's better they have that than zero yeah. but i think the fact they're even thinking of it and not yeah i mean it is quite an interesting one because how else would you attribute it to that one user you know what I mean? Because it's a feed. You're normally seeing like 17 different accounts. Listen, so how they're going to you... they're going to iron it out, blah. They're going to iron it out. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'll be let fascinating me, uh... to see because if it is insulting amount of money, then it'll be like not. It won't it'll be, be a negative, bro. right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be a negative for them. They probably shouldn't have done it. Like like a lot of the other things, arguably. But um, but Trunk, let's do we want to roll on. it out with the AI porn no, thing? No, let's or? skip that. Let's skip that because that can be a 30, 40 minute All right, segment. Cool, cool. Uh, let's do this. Uh, let's give a shout out to our friend uh, Mario Gabriel. Wrote a great piece about the difference between search versus chat. Uh, it, the piece is called uh, "All the Answers," and I'll give you five takeaways that he wrote. Uh, he says Google's obviously the king of search. Uh, 163 billion last year from search ads. 91% uh, market share in the search space. 
So even if chat Bing comes, like, let's be honest, like they're not, I think they might, we'll see. He says chat DPT is a compelling assassin, right? It's because it's not a straight on assault. It's giving you information, but in a much more conversational way, like we've seen with uh, chat GPT where it can help with like coding. If you ask like, Hey, give me code for this front end animation. This would be way better in chat GPT oh, yeah. than it's getting incredible. like 10 like blog links at the top of uh, Google. Right. I will say the coding stuff on chat GPT is absolutely it, it's incredible. A, it's incredible. Even though a lot so of it good. ended up being wrong, but like the idea that you, you could see that you could tweak your, Oh, you mean the, yeah. the co-pilot stuff is. Oh yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Um, okay, so he says, uh, obviously, ChatGPT, for reasons we've talked about, hallucination wrong is quite limited. It, all its information is pre-2021. But uh, once it integrates, integrates with Bing, so some visuals came up from the Bing one. It's pretty interesting. It's uh, the chat answer comes first, and then all the links that we're used to comes at the bottom. Um, he said that he thinks that the subscription model uh, is not super compelling for chat. Obviously, it's going to have to be ads. And you can probably throw ads in to the the mix but uh the, the thing output. i say is this yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the last thing i say is uh, he brought up a great point is if you actually look at the top search terms on google like chat gpt is not going to beat it it's like what time does this restaurant open like where can i buy these shoes right it's like uh send me to this website yeah, there's certain uh, categories for which search well, still well, makes you know more sense yeah better, right? I mean, but well, is that navigational search well, this is a cool yeah. this is a cool discussion because it's also like consumer versus creator yeah oh exactly that's true Ooh, Bilal, you go below you're the best insight on this for sure between the three of us it's like you what are the top google searches it's like all commercially related well, the or thing time we were related. about to talk about before which we're not going to talk about this week <laughs> yeah. is probably well, top yeah, of the list yeah. but no yeah. but you're right there's and i'm just saying off the top of my head because i 100 percent agree like chat gpt or that form of conversational assistant type search if you even call it search it's more like a conversation is incredible it's definitely a massive leap so i'm a massive fan of it but there's certain types of searches that right now search is still better right yeah. like like a navigational search how do i get to this restaurant how do i get to whatever what is you know or like like a a flight like thing that might be at the moment in this right, current right. Book search a flight to here. book a flight to here yeah now you could say chat gpt or something like that you could say go and find me um the flight we actually talked about this with ben tosso on crate lab when as a, as a travel assistant idea he was basically saying like if you could tell it all your preferences tell train the bot basically to say i only fly in this type of times i only go uh i only want to sit in these types of seats i only fly this certain class which but, is near the yeah, front yeah. of the plane exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly and so so that and, and like find me these sort of restaurants and so that could actually be very helpful in the future but uh, like a lot of this stuff it's only helpful when it actually works flawlessly right now it, yeah. it's not close and so you still have that that moment of like i need to search and filter through and figure out what i actually prefer um and then there's a few other categories which are blanking on but th there are certain categories that still make sense and actually if you also break down search queries into monetizable search queries versus just yeah. informational there's certain <laughs> queries that are like make way more money for the company right so like write like, me the uh, a thousand words on the 16th century shipping industry not yeah. very monetizable yeah exactly we're saying what is the best credit card for travel points right now or what's the cheapest uh, mortgage rate that might be a 50 dollar yeah, click yeah right and and it's an amazing click like chase or whoever's still going to be happy with it so there, there is going to be a time where i think the assistant could actually do a lot of that kind of research for you 
and maybe there will be some sort of chase side in there or an offer at least so they like they Big say well ethical questions in there like, yeah that's yeah, true what's that's the true. best what's the best mortgage to get that's crazy yeah. how that, that is crazy yeah but i think it's, if it says ad if it says sponsored then you know the answer isn't directly what is the best you it's not if it's not posing as the ad it's just well, saying you might be interested in this offer let's say well there's a deep philosophical question in there yeah anyway because it like the even if it's not an ad the data is trained on is an is a is biased in some way shape or form right there's all of these discussions about what it can and can't say yeah and i mean it just it just starts to break open all of our i think definitions around what things are because we've been in this very I know it just feels like the internet is just blowing apart again into this like undefined thing. It's been kind yeah. of orderly for a couple of decades now. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Though, uh, Trunk, was there anything else on on that last part? Sorry, if I no, cut you off. No, that's good. Here. No, no, that, that, that's perfect, man. I will I, say, uh, check out Mario's um, thing. I can probably we could probably share that. Yeah. To gen generalist.com and not to plug my stuff too much, but he'll be on Creator Lab in a few weeks as well. If oh, you want to hear us do a deep dive on this. Yeah, not to, uh, plug, smart uh, guy. not to plug an AI-powered <laughs> research tool, but uh, if you guys are looking for one, E-E-A-R-L.ai. There we Barely go. Barely.ai. Well, we should have said this is the shield segment. We're allowed to yeah. this episode uh, shield is one thing a week. Barely AI. Yeah. Barely AI. Well, for the listeners, NFT moving forward, and, yeah. now that we're almost at episode 100 without having done any advertisers for inside baseball last episode was like guys let's just start shilling but here's the rule the ad read the ad read has to be from one of the other uh a host of the other person so like Bilal can never mention creator lab again i have to do the creator lab like yeah yeah i have yeah and i have to show checks no amazing well no i think this was a sick deep episode boys thanks jack for summarizing all the stuff with check memes uh, oh, sorry checks um so i'm I wrote so tired checks, so memes i'm sorry up. if there's any uh just just rambling no no no, 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 no. i think like you we said a, it was we needed to on, capture man. that no yeah, no that was amazing it. it was actually really cool to hear you this is a time it. capsule bro this is a this capsule is. of somebody that just had a newborn is going through a crazy viral moment and his parents are in town Probably yeah. the third one might be the most difficult. I know, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember, Jack, we used to talk about this, that we're going to send some of these videos to our kids one day and be like, no remember doubt. this NFT craze? And we were, you were in another room crying. And uh, this is what I was doing to pay for your college or whatever. <laughs> but this is like a moment in time. So respect. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Trunk, thanks for going through the other stuff as well. Really interesting. And uh, thanks for being here. If you've made it all the way here, we appreciate you guys. And we will see you next week. Have a good one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, thanks, thanks.